John and Amy Clausen, and I'll let them introduce the family. So I have to, as soon as Fred and Michelle started singing, I had things going through my head. And so let's see if I can pull out what those things were. <laughs> okay. I like, I like having like a paper Bible so much better than the silly phone. Hi, everyone. <laughs> While she does that, greetings to all of you and so many, so many familiar faces, and uh, we, we truly, truly love you. Oh, I'm Amy, and very informal, so nice to meet you. <laughs> so, Mom, this is my question for you. The chapter in Jeremiah where Jacob's, now is the time of Jacob's distress, but he will be safe from that. Can you find me that chapter? Jeremiah, thank you. Okay. So, this is, is Michelle, we, our opening song was Oh, Taste and See. And there's a part in there that talks about thankfulness. And that word just started rolling around in my head. And um, I felt like the Lord wanted to make some connections for me, <laughs> for us, about what thankfulness actually does in us. And as I was reading 1 Corinthians 15, I'm just going to read this over you. And I'm actually going to read it. It's really yummy in the NIV, but I'm going to read it to you in passion because it's yummier. Um. This starts 1 Corinthians 15, 54, and it says, And when that which is mortal puts on immortality, and what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay, then the scripture will be fulfilled that says, Death is swallowed up by a triumphant victory. Say triumphant victory. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sting? It is sin that gives death its sting and the law that gives sin its power. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So now, beloved one, stand firm, stable and enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. Ho. So as we are standing, you know, in this place where victory, right? Is that our current event in the kingdom of God, victory? Is that something that we have to wait for? You know, when Jesus died on the cross, victory was what was ushered in. Right now, where we're standing is the, the position of the victorious ones. And so many times, my brain likes to be super linear. I am a cross-it-off-the-list girl, and I love to like go from point A to point B to point C and have things super organized in my brain. But I'm finding that God's brain does not need to be like that. He's just 
like swirls around his truth, right? He 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 plants his truth and it and it takes position around us. It's this place that we live and that we dwell. And so here we are standing in the middle of victory and it's enshrouded with thankfulness. Thankfulness isn't something that we do when we finally see victory. Thankfulness is something that ushers us into it. So I'm going to read that again. Death is swallowed up by a triumphant victory. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sting? It is sin that gives death its sting and law that gives sin its power. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So now, beloved ones, stand firm in that place of victory stable and enduring live your lives with an unshakable confidence we know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the lord because we are assured that our union with the lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures so this is where we're starting this weekend Standing smack dab in the middle of our victory. Letting it be ushered in with the thankfulness that's just flowing out of our lives. Because we know that we can stand firm and stable and enduring with unshakable confidence in every season. It doesn't need to wait until it looks triumphant. I have non-triumphant looking areas of my life that are shrouded in victory. Shrouded in victory. Mamo, did you find it? What is it? 37, okay. Got it. I have them marked. I just couldn't remember the 37. Isn't that sad? Actually, it's not sad. I'm shrouded in victory. And every season, whether I remember, I don't. Right? But I didn't need that. I need that chapter. Yeah, where'd it go, everybody? It's okay. I think the point came across. So um, we can follow up with that later. The Holy Spirit doesn't mind. He, he's not as linear as I am. And if I don't get to point B, A to point B, like he, I think I should, he's fine with it. Um, and so I just release that over us. How many of you have, have experienced maybe some areas that you would say, where, you know, from the physical, you know, what people would see that might look slightly unvictorious in certain areas of life. Some, do you have some seasons that look like that? Yeah, I do. But you know what? Today, we are going to shroud those seasons with thankfulness. And so even as we begin, I just release thankfulness over this room. Daddy, we are your kids. And we love that you are unflappable. And that your victory that you've ushered in is sure and complete for every one of us. And we are thankful that your good hand is upon us in every season and situation of our lives. And we are thankful that you are the victorious one. You have never failed. There's been nothing that you've said, oh, bummer, that didn't turn out. You are 100% victorious. And I stand in the bullseye of your victory. Say that with me. I stand in the bullseye of your victory.
Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. All right. Well, I am supposed to introduce kind of who we are. Um, and we are John and Amy Clausen, and we've met a lot of you, um, but others of you we haven't. I think this is our sixth year, Fred, but we missed last year because of COVID. And I, everything's, my son graduated and he went off to YWAM the first time we came here. And he was 18 and now he's 24. So, you know, my mother brain <laughs> clocks it. Um, so since we've been here, we have added two new members to our family. Our Lucille Rose, our very first granddaughter, was born. And she, she is standing in the bullseye of his victory. You know, as we wait to see it with our eyes, we are declaring that victory over our little precious girl, and she's a marvel. Um, and then our, our next daughter, Emma, got married, and so we have a new son-in-law. So the family is growing, and life is golden. Uh, and the biggest mi- um, miracle of the month is that our daughter and her husband, who have been in Indiana since they've been married, and... They are moving to Brainerd, Minnesota, which is 30 minutes from our middle of nowhere that we live. And it's a miracle. God just went, whoop, boo. And we just watched him do it. And it's like, wow, you're super good. He he really loves us. (laughs) Yes. So they're moving by us and there's talk of grandbabies. So life is good. (laughs) So anyway, so we have eight kiddos. Those are our oldest two. And just our youngest three were able to come with us this time, our one of our daughters is in Kenya, Africa, and one our son is in college, and our daughter Maggie, who all of you know is our volleyball fanatic, is at team volleyball camp this weekend. So, so anyway, so we just our, our youngest three are with us tonight: Elijah, Silas, and Sadie. Woohoo! We've had a good time with them. Oh yeah, where's my mom and dad? And my mom and dad, we, we've been playing all the way over here. We, uh, yeah, our oldest, it was, it's his, it was his 15th, our oldest here. You're not our oldest. Um, he turned 15 yesterday. And so we, on our way through Chicago, told them that we had a spot. We wanted to take him out for dinner and pulled into the baseball and took him to a Twins game at the White Sox Stadium. We got, it was really fun. We, and, and we won, the Twins won. Twins won, and Elijah was surprised. We get up at the, and he can see the stadium, and like the car went quiet. Like. What are we doing? Where are we going? Why are we here? <laughs> yeah, they almost stopped asking questions. They were like too afraid to ask, but we've had a good time. So it was fun to surprise them. Um, and then the other part is our daughter Emma and her husband were waiting in the stands and he didn't know that. So he walked in and then looked up and there was his sister and he was like, what is going on? It was good fun. It was very good surprises. So um, tonight, Johnny is going to release something new. whole bunch of fun. whole bunch of fun. Yeah, a yeah, whole bunch of fun. This is actually one I just, you know, not to take credit for, but this oh. is one I keep saying, write a sermon about that. So I like this. I said yes, dear. This makes me happy. <laughs> um, we love you guys, and I, I mean that sincerely. And, um, I, we, as Tim said, we do have a lot of fun coming here, um, but you also have to know that um, in anticipation of coming here, there is a oh, there's always for the six years a resolve about coming here that um, this is this is an important place. 
It's important to us, but it's just an important place, period. And we always feel that when we come here, and I just want you to know that, that, um, that it, it means so much to be invited um, because we do have a great time. And that is part of it. That is part of the kingdom is his joy. But you also have to know that we, we see such an importance and such a value for this place. And that comes from heaven. That doesn't come from just my heart and my love for all of you. Um, it really comes from heaven. And so we, we do come with a sort of a steely resolve about anything that we are able to share with you. And I, I was I was over here worshiping, and I was like, Lord, how do, how do I describe what I feel about this place? And, and he sort of gave me a war analogy <laughs> in the fact that I think sometimes you can come as a guest speaker, and you can sort of, you know, stand over the bunker, stand over the foxhole, and say, I see that you're in the foxhole, and I have some insight that might help you. And then we get in our van and we leave. And, you know, I wish you the best with that. Or it turns out, sometimes we do that, or at least we have the mentality that, you know, we deposit what we can and we leave. But um, the Lord just gave me the the vision of the fact that we're actually in the foxhole with you. I I just want you two to know that. I want all of you to know that. That's that's really the way I feel. Like, like we're, we're in the same stream. Like, we're in this together. And so if the Lord gives us insight, which I think he has, I believe he's given us words, like, specifically for this weekend for you. Um, so I, it's my pleasure and my privilege to release what he gave me and gave us. Um, but you have to know it, that it's it's us. It's not like us and you. It's like us. I mean, we're in this together. Because that's the kingdom. Yeah. By the way, that's how the kingdom is actually supposed to work. <laughs> like, like, we actually rub elbows with each other, and then we go for it. You know, and sometimes, you know, this last season... This weird COVID, whatever, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's just weird, and and it's like like Amy said, it's like that all the seasons don't always feel pretty. They don't always feel warm and cuddly and fuzzy. But but we are we are in it together, and we're after something. We're after territory. Is really why we're here, and so we just can't lose sight of that. That like that's part of the kingdom. We're here on this earth because we're taking it. <laughs> we're taking we're taking the earth for His kingdom, and that's what we always have to keep in our mind. And we're doing it together. That's the message. So I don't want anybody to, to forget that. We're in this together. Amy and I lead, lead a ministry called Go Fam Ministries. And, and we really focus on family. We focus on marriages. We focus on parenting. And, and we love that. And all of our messages really focus on and are centered on, um, in a big way, the first two chapters of Genesis. And we, 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 we stay there. We refuse to leave there because we feel like um, there was this time in history that the Father created something and he placed it into the world and he saw that it was good. And, and it was this, this lovely place called Eden. And when we rebelled and turned our back from his perfect plan, it actually didn't cancel the plan. We, we don't have the authority to cancel God's plan. Is everybody good with that? I mean, when God sets something into place, like, it's set. And we, we, he does give us free will to walk away from his plan and to say that, hey, we're going to go do our own thing. Don't recommend that. But we have the, we have the free will to do that. Um, but what he set into place um, is set because he's God. And so we feel like the first two chapters of Genesis has so, it's so rich in, in family truth because he actually set the first family into place, and I believe gave them the first great commission. It was the first thing spoken to family to actually set the culture on the earth. 
And so we refuse to shift away from that because I believe everything that happened after Genesis chapter 3 going forward wasn't, wasn't the new order of things, it was the out of order of things. See, I believe, and, and it's a big word on your t-shirt, that Jesus not only came on a salvation mission, he came on a restoration mission. He came to actually restore the heart of the original, the original heart of the Father from the very beginning of time. And, and there was only one guy that could do it, and that was Jesus. And he came, and he came to usher in restoration to the face of the earth. Restoration to what? To what the Father really wanted for us in the first place as his kids. And Jesus actually did that. He did that. You know, Luke, Luke 19.10 is, is a verse that I think is often kind of gets misquoted and misunderstood. We usually say, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. But it's actually not what it says, if you actually look at it. It says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. It's a big difference. He actually, he actually had his mind focused on the Father's original heart. He had his mind focused on you as his sons and daughters. And Jesus came to restore that heart to the face of the earth. So everything that we teach actually funnels back to that original point. To the point that there is a loving Father who actually had something in mind. And he created it. And Jesus came to restore it. And so I think it would be really smart for us to go look at what he actually created. And, and what his heart was in that creation. And so when he came and he delivered Genesis 1.28, it's the first time that God actually came and spoke to mankind. Um, actually confront, the almighty creator confronts his creation and speaks. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And, and we like to call it the first great commission. And, and actually the theologians call it the cultural mandate, which I love. I believe it's actually incredibly powerful word because as family goes, so goes the culture. And that's not just a good talking point that we like created and put on a t-shirt or something. It's like every sociologist, even secular sociologists would agree that as family goes, so goes the culture. And we see that today, don't we? It was true in the garden. It was true throughout history. It's true today. It will always be true. As family goes, so goes the culture. So when he delivers this, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. He hands it to family as the template that he would use to actually redemonstrate and reproduce culture, the culture of heaven, over the face of the earth. And there is no plan B. <laughs> Jesus came to restore family, to restore your family, so that we can enter the world, fill it, subdue it, and make it look like heaven. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I mean, that's our marching orders. That's why we're here. He can take us home anytime he wants to, but there's actually work to be done outside of these walls, outside of this place. So we need to get vision for who we are and what we were created to be. And so that's the bell that we're just going to keep ringing <laughs> as much as we can, because it's the most important thing that we can do is understand that we are actually the culture bearers. We are actually the ambassadors of heaven. And we reproduce his culture here on this earth. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so, so I like to keep rereading the first few chapters of Genesis. And, and I probably have read it 
250 times. I don't know how many times I read it. And every single time, there's new insight that the Father gives me because I believe it's just so rich. There's so much there for us that we can pull out for ourselves. And so I believe tonight, I believe this is for you guys, but um, it's kind of something that just sort of jumped off the page again at me after I read it 249 times. <laughs> and it continues from Genesis 128. Then God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the words have dominion, um, it's, you know, the, the, some of these Hebrew words are like words that need to be like unpackaged. Like it's, you know, we think one word has one meaning. <laughs> well, like you take the word shalom, you know, and it has like 50 different meanings or whatever. Um, this is, have dominion is kind of one of those words, but it has basically four general meanings. Um, and there's four Hebrew words that are all kind of packaged in the term have dominion. And the first is radah, R-A-D-A-H. And this is what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, translated as to rule um, or to live in or having dominion over. The other word is kabosh, also something I've taught about at this place before. Um, the word kabosh means to subdue. You've heard the term put a kabosh on something? <laughs> it's, a, it's a Hebrew word actually means to put under your feet. It's, it's, our, it's our position, our attitude actually towards the enemy. I could... I could talk for another hour just on that, but I'll, I'll stay focused. <laughs> the third word is abad, which means to till or means to serve. Um, and the last word is shamar, which means to keep. So when they talk about, you know, to tend and to keep, it's all packaged in that word, have dominion. And abad and shamar is something that my wife is actually going to talk about tomorrow. So I'll just, just uh, salt you with that. Um, when we talk about the word radah, or to, to rule over. Um, it actually means to to descend, which is interesting. Because a lot of times we think rule means up on your throne and standing over and hovering over. It actually means to come down, interestingly. It means to spread and to, to wander around. To actually dominion means to actually, to actually, and to put it into modern terms, it means to find out what, make, what makes the people tick. That's what it means to have dominion. Like, what motivates you? It's to, it's to get into the hearts of the people that you're ruling over. So radah is not what we think of as forceful rule, okay? Forceful. But listen to this definition. I just love this. It's the kind of authority that enables the ruled things to develop and open up as they should. As my wife would say, that's yummy. <laughs> It's the kind of authority that enables the ruled things to develop and open up as they should. It's beautiful. And so when we look at Adam and woman that were created and placed into the garden, they were actually, they were actually given authority, right? They had dominion. And they would actually interchange with creation to find out what makes them tick so that they would develop and open up as they should. It's kind of juicy, isn't it, when you really think about it. Now remember, think about, I want you to think about everything that I'm teaching tonight in context of the fact that there is no plan B. So if this was given to the first family, it's actually given to your family. We, we need to have this settled deep within us that whatever was his design from the beginning was what Jesus died for. 
because he's the, he ushered in what? Restoration. Restoration with the Father birthed into us. Ah! <laughs> so we go to Genesis 2.19. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. It's, it's, it's beautiful, this story, because it just said that he brought all the living creatures to Adam, right? But there wasn't anybody that was for Adam. And so couldn't you just see sort of the father, you know, creating the woman and kind of putting her behind his back and say, hey, Adam, got something for you. <laughs> I mean, couldn't you kind of see it? Like this proud father, like, you're, you're going to like this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I, you can kind of see it because this was God's idea. He created everything. And then he brings them to the man that has dominion. The one that's going to unlock the reason he created him in the first place. So that they could flourish and grow. And so then God brings woman and presents her to him. And Adam says, because he's the neighbor, right? Adam says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. It's, there, there's an incredible beauty to this story. And, it, and, it, and an interesting point that we'll even get to more in just one minute. Adam and Eve were not in the Garden of Eden. Funny little trivia question. <laughs> it was actually Adam and woman. If your Bible reads like mine, woman was with a capital W. He named her woman. It wasn't until they fell and was removed from the garden that she was named Eve. It's interesting. So he named her based on her, based on her position in him. The, the, what he saw in her by her identity. By her identity. You can see, hopefully through this, that there is an incredible amount of family implication that takes place in naming things. We are actually part of our dominion, part of what we've been given, is that we are actually involved in naming creation. And remember, there is no plan B. So the Lord brings things to us. Now, obviously, the most notable, understandable, easiest to understand is he brings us our own children. Like, we birth these children, and then, boom, there's this baby, and we get to name them. That's like the real practical example, right? I remember we were actually driving to the hospital, about to deliver Silas. And, you know, we have Eli, and we're driving there, and we're going to name Silas Levi. And we were literally a mile from the hospital, and I was like, oh, no. Like, it's going to be Eli and Levi. I'm going to get that wrong for the rest of my life. <laughs> I have no problems keeping track of my own children's name. It's going to be Eli and Levi. Like, I'm never, ever going to get it right. And so Silas was, you know, was on the list. And we're like, pulling into the parking lot, changing our mind. <laughs> because, because naming is a really big deal, right? You don't want to get it wrong. And so, so that's one thing that we've been given as parents is, is naming our children. And naming them. So we we continually name them from that place of Radha. 
where we actually, this is the part that blows my mind, that he actually brings them to us, and we name them, and then it says, and I don't know if you caught this, and he said, and then God waited to see what Adam would name them. There's like something really amazing about that. It wasn't like God was like, I'm going to put in your mind that you shall name him Silas. <laughs> he actually wants, he waits to see what we're actually going to name him. Why? Because we're the ones with dominion. That's the way he works. He, he's a God that actually allows us to play a part in his creation. That's just kind of who he is. It's how he rolls. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And so we have to get a picture for the fact that we aren't just programmed robots, but that we are the ones that he actually births into us dominion. And then we have the responsibility, and he doesn't even know the answer. He's like, I can't wait to see what you're going to name him. How cool is that? And so the how, it's incredibly cool and amazing, but also can be incredibly sobering and sad. Because there are people that are brought to us every day that we are naming with our words. And he is waiting to see what we're going to name them. And there's something a little bit sad when I think about myself and the things that have come out of my mouth. So when we tell our children that they're a failure, that they don't measure up, that they're a disappointment, guess what? We're naming them. We're actually naming them with our words. Why? Because we actually have dominion. There is a super sobering point to that that needs to get our attention. Because he said to see what he would name them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. That's what it said. Ah! (laughs) All of a sudden we have to go, oh, wait a minute. We actually need to measure what comes out of our mouth. So Adam sees woman, and he sees her, and sees... And he names her based on her identity, which is what all of us should be named on, named after, what we were created for. And, and, And he says, you are woman. And he names her. And then they sin... And, and they, uh, out of actually the goodness of God, actually removes them from the garden. And it says in the Bible that Adam renames her. He says, and he called her name Eve because she was the mother of all living. I think it's one of the saddest pieces in history because she was named based on, ident- on identity. And then once there was sin entered and there was this cloak of sin that entered into the garden, he actually saw her different. And there was a loss of intimacy that took place. And he actually named her based on her performance and what, he, what she could provide for him. And it became, if I can use the word, a curse on women throughout the Old Testament because what was the, what was the worst form of shame a woman could have in the Old Testament? Barrenness. A woman that couldn't provide for her husband. And there was a, a, a horrible loss of intimacy that's a heartbreak that actually took place when we actually remove ourselves from his perfect intimacy in the place that he created us for. And we turn our back on it, and all of a sudden we step out in rebellion from what he created us to be. And we have no idea what we're doing, and we begin to name things based on what we're seeing and feeling. And I'm afraid that we do it all the time, unknowing what, I, what it really means to have dominion. What it really means. The words that come out of our mouth 
actually carry an incredible amount of power and authority because we carry an incredible amount of power and authority. In the words that we speak, not only over our children, over anybody that he brings to us. So James 3, 4, I think you're familiar with this, but let's just read this because it's a good reminder. He says, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among other members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. A reference to Genesis, is it not? We just read about that. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse men. Who have been made in the similitude, which means similar or in the image of, right? Genesis, made in the image of God. Are you following? Of God. So let me read that again. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the very image of God. (laughs) Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So I think the point of this, the point that I'm trying to make, is that we are a branch, we are a spring that actually flows from Eden. We have to know where we came from. What Are we a fig tree? Are we a, what are we? We are, we are a spring of fresh water that flows from Eden itself. That's what we are. And so what needs to flow from us, what needs to come out of our mouth, is actually a redemonstration of the culture of heaven. Are you following? <laughs> it, it's, it's like a really big deal, the words that we speak over each other. See, heaven kind of gets it. See, we, we look at, like, you know, we've all heard the story about Gideon. You know, they confront Gideon, who's, like, trembling in his boots. And, <laughs> and the, the angel says, hey, hey, mighty man of valor. <laughs> and it's like, what? I mean, there was nothing in the natural that would say that. But heaven actually named him, right? There was actually a name given to him that heaven actually recognized as reality because of what he was created even before they saw it. Right? So here's little King David, probably Elijah's age, right? And he gets brought out, and guess what? He's declared king. And and he does not see kingship for how long? I mean, decades, right? I think, yeah, a long time later does he actually get proclaimed king. But guess what? In the heavenlies, he was already king. That's the way heaven sees it, because, because he is named, and once it is named, as we just read, it is so. And that's what we need to see over us. When we get prophetic words, when we get things spoken over us, when we, when we know who we are and our identity as sons and daughters, which is talked about in this house all the time, I know that, that we have to understand that's who we are, that's our identity, and that's our name. It's what we have been named. So, you know, the, 
you know, the sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Um, Anybody who's actually experienced the pain of being renamed knows that's not true, is it? Being, Being named is an incredibly powerful thing. And I'm not naive to think that there are many of you in this room that still feel that, still feel the pain of things that have been spoken over you, that that maybe even have named you, that maybe you've been renamed. You know that you've had a destiny, but then people have come along and told you you're unqualified. It's your name. Unqualified. It's my, it's my name. I'll, I'll never measure up. I'm never good enough. These are the things that sometimes we we errantly speak over each other with even authority. And we have to be super careful that our responsibility as those in dominion actually carry incredible power. So if that's true, if it's true that somebody can come alongside of you and name you something destructive and it sticks and it hurts and the enemy gets his, gets his, his, his hands in there and, and continues to twist it and turn it, if that's true, well then the opposite is definitely true. That when we proclaim and we speak out truth over people, that actually creates a trajectory in their life where they actually come alive. What's the word? Let's go back. Where they actually develop and open up as they should. It's it's the word radah. When we actually speak radah over people, they open up and come alive as they should. And, and yes, sometimes there are there are overt prophetic words. The Lord Fred is telling me that blah, 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 and, we, and we and we nail it to you and we and we say it. But more often than not, it's our day to day life of living where we're actually speaking life to those who are brought before us. And so we we have to get an idea. It starts in our homes, moms and dads. It starts with the words that we speak over our children because it's it's words of life. It's words where they where your children will open up and flourish, and who does not want that for their children? Everybody does. Where they come alive, and they grow, and they flourish, and you speak radah over them. See, what comes out of our mouths have authority and dominion, whether we even realize it or not, or whether we even believe it or not. It's the way he created us to be. And so you may sit here and say, well, I don't really believe that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm sorry, it doesn't matter because that's the way he created you to be. When, when, when you speak, there's words because you have dominion as sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. You've been given dominion. It's been restored to you by the blood of Jesus. He actually, he actually said, hey, I'm going away to heaven now. Now you go. <laughs> you go with my authority into the earth, and speak radah over them. Bring them to life again. <laughs> it makes me weep, because we have so much We have so much that we can do just with the simple words, just by the way that we name people. So let's just think about this. I just want to, I want to be super practical. I, I just mentioned family. Family is the way. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to cry, but that's okay. You guys love me. Like, my parents... Um, are in their mid-80s, and, and many of you know them and love them like we do. Um, like, my parents are continually naming me. That's my testimony. I call my mom and dad, and I hang up feeling like I can change the world. That's just a testimony. 
you know, they're in their mid-80s, and I'm in my 50s, for being sakes. And I'm calling them, and, and they are speaking life over me. I can feel it. Like, I hang up, and I'm like, bring on the world. <laughs> like, I got this. Because, because why? It's because I'm coming alive. I'm flourishing. There's something in me that they're, they're naming me. They're saying, you're a world changer, Johnny boy. <laughs> they say to me. And when they say it, guess what? It becomes, hello, my name is world changer. And I hang up the phone, and I believe it. I come alive. That's the way it's supposed to work. Because they have they have a unique authority as my parents in my life to rada, to release something in me where I, where I flourish and grow. So now it's going to get a little more uncomfortable. So what about our boss? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> what about some of these people that are harder to love? Do we, do we speak life? What about our employers, our employees, our bosses? What about, okay, ready? What about the President of the United States? <laughs> Anybody who is brought to us, right? So here's an elected official, an elected official who is brought to us. What do we speak over them? What do we speak over them? Our words have life. Is it true or isn't it true? Do we have dominion or don't we? If we do, and we speak life over them, and we speak release a blessing over them, then guess what? They actually come alive and they flourish. If we call them idiots and malcontents, and if we start speaking over them, guess what? That is their name. It's sobering, isn't it? It's, it's hard, I know, this is the harder one. <laughs> It doesn't mean that we don't have to have our eyes open. It doesn't mean we don't need to be educated. We don't have to know what's going on. It doesn't mean we have, don't have to be educated voters. I'm not saying any of those things. But the words that we speak have life. Life and death. Simple things like our waitress. <laughs> Do you know that you know the Lord is orchestrating our lives? We sit down at a table at a restaurant. Here comes our waitress, and she is brought to us. What an opportunity to speak Radah. There's little moments, isn't there? In fact, there are thousands of moments every single day of things that people are being brought to us. And guess what? The Lord is sitting there wondering to see, wanting to see what we're going to name them. Think about it. What happens when Baker Mayfield throws an interception? <laughs> Fred, what are you going to say? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yes, I'm just saying. What comes out of our mouth. There are thousands of opportunities to exercise dominion by our words. You are chosen. You are special. You are an overcomer. You are gentle. You are kind. You are great. And when you speak these things, you are naming them. You are naming them. And you're releasing them so that they can grow and they can flourish. We have to have the mindset of who we are. It always comes back to identity. And who we are in Him. And when we have the mindset, then we see. We see with our spiritual eyes. We see the thousands of opportunities that we have to release life. We, uh, we were traveling back from family camp. We're, we're in the middle of nowhere, Montana. We decided to take Highway 2, which is 
you know, that is rural. <laughs> I thought we lived in the rural area. That is rural. <laughs> and so we stopped at a, at a gas station. And, you know, everything that we do with the Colossians, there's just a lot of us. And so it's always a little bit of a production. But we could not find a restaurant to save our life. I mean, there was nothing. So there was this gas station that actually had some food. You know, there was there was something. And so we were grabbing beef jerky. We were grabbing, you know, whatever. Something that would give, give us sustenance on our trip. And, and so we, were, we, were, so we literally had a pile of stuff, you know. They were popping it on the countertop. And there was this lady who was there. <laughs> checking us out and and she she literally kind of went oh. <laughs> and I'm exaggerating I'm like like her whole body is like oh. <laughs> so we're like okay you know but it gets worse so so she starts kind of reading up a few things and then I lean over and I go oh you actually they actually had like a whole deli case of like real food you know like like chicken and stuff. Like we're like we're hungry. We're hungry, you know. And so Yeah, I know. And so it's so we're thinking upgrade, you know, from beef, you know, beef jerky to like I could actually have like a real hot chicken sandwich. I didn't realize it was there. Well of course her response was Ugh. She she wasn't subtle at all. I mean she, she was she was kind of mean, I'm just gonna say. So literally we like take all this stuff back off the counter. <laughs> We're putting things back up, you know. <laughs> like, can I, can I have a chicken sandwich instead? It's just she's un- unringing things and re-ringing things, and, and so she was not very happy with us. But we kind of didn't care because we were hungry. And so she's going through all this stuff, and then so finally our little Sadie kind of looks at her and she goes, "Thank you for taking care of us." That's what she said to her. And I'm telling you, the countenance of this woman completely shifted, and she said, oh, it's okay, sweetie. She goes, I'm, I'm happy to help you. I'm, I'm not kidding. It was like, boom! Like, this transformation took place. And at the end, she's like, hey, do you need some ketchup packets? All, all of a sudden, she was like serving us, all because somebody did a radah. She actually called her out and thanked her that she was serving us. You are a servant. She, called, she actually called out her, her true identity that she was a servant. She wasn't feeling very servant-like at the beginning, most likely. But what a, I mean, it, it was it was one of the most beautiful examples of of something spoken into the atmosphere, and there was just a shift. There was just a shift, and she was sweet and she was kind. She was helping us. She was putting things in bags for us. She was like helping us kind of carry it out, and all because somebody had you know had the notion of actually calling out her dominion. Our nine-year-old. It's beautiful. <clears throat> so with the time left tonight, I, I really feel like I want to take this package and I, I just want to shift it towards this house and what you guys are carrying in, in this place because I, I think there's another whole dimension to this um, and the dimension is actually a regional dimension. Um, I, I believe, obviously, you know, by your name, which is an important name, um, but also by what you're carrying, that there's there's such an apostolic grace on this house. Now, when I say apostolic grace, I mean sometimes these words are confusing. Um, so let me just let me just define it to you in a real simple way, um, because it's it's not simple. It's like, this is the definition. <laughs> um, when the Romans, um, 
when the Romans would conquer territory, they would um, they would obviously just gobble up all this territory across Europe. They were just they were just this war machine, and it wouldn't take much for them just to take the territory. They found that it was actually easier to take the territory than it was to hold the territory, and so they they figured that what they needed to do once they actually conquered the land is they actually needed to send culture bearers to the area. And so they would send architects and poets and, and, and those who wrote books and those artists, uh, artisans that they would send into the area because they knew that if the culture that they conquered became Roman, then they would actually have the territory and they wouldn't need to hold it. It would already be Roman. And the people that they would send, these artisans, the, the, the people that, that carried culture, were actually called apostles. They were called apostles. And so, fast forward to Jesus and his time, and he's calling his people that he's actually sending into the world to transform culture, he's calling them apostles. Think about the connection. Why? It's because they actually carry the culture of heaven. They're actually the ones who actually redemonstrate the culture of heaven on this earth. And so I believe, and this is another whole message for another day, that I believe that family actually carries an apostolic grace on it, because as family goes, so goes the culture. So that's true. So family carries a big role and a big piece of that. But here is this house that's sitting right here in Genoa, Ohio, that actually carries this apostolic grace, this apostolic covering on them. Um, on so many different levels. I mean, I, I, I recognize the, the layers of grace that you guys carry um, for those that you are connected to and, and, and just your heart for the people in this area. But I also, want to, I also want to bestow upon you the picture of these Roman artisans that actually go into the culture and have it look like Rome. That's, that's the calling that this house has on you is to enter all aspects of society, even the ones that aren't always pleasant, right? But to actually create a culture so that Genoa's culture actually begins to look like heaven. That's really what it's about. It, you know, you, you guys already look like heaven here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, honestly, I'm not minimizing what happens here in this building, but it's not really about this building, right? Because we have all eternity to worship him. I'm not minimizing the experience here, so please don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying the reason you're here, like on this planet, is that there's actually people out here that need you. This world needs you. And they need their culture to be transformed by, by the heart that you guys carry. Transformed because you're actually ambassadors of heaven. So you show them what heaven looks like, and that's what they want. <laughs> that's what it's supposed to look like. So church was never meant to be denominational. It was meant to be regional. Always, the church at Corinth, right? The church at Ephesus. It was regional. And so when you have a pastors, when you have pastors who have a heart for the region, it becomes this apostolic place that you guys are carrying and you are nurturing. And, and I understand that churches can have different flavors and different styles and different priorities that reflect the leadership. Not all churches have to look exactly alike. I get that. But they should all be to serve the region and to equip the saints to do the work. That's what church is all about, okay? So with all that being said, I believe that there's this package about speaking and about naming and the things that we actually say over our region. 
like the actual land in which we are standing right now. Um, in our mouth carries blessings and curses, and it ought not be so. And, and what would it look like for this house to go out of these doors and begin releasing Radah? What would happen? Um, I want to find out, okay? <laughs> a little test tube. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I, we have to know what it looks like. Because maybe, maybe it's that simple. Maybe it's us going out and releasing life with the words that we speak, just like Adam would do. Anybody that would come to him, he would release life, and things would be transformed, and that would be their name. So what is the name over Genoa? What is it? <laughs> it's an important name, honestly. Honestly. It's, we have to connect to the name itself. And is it, is it, is it depressed? Is it, is it never good enough? Is it looked over? Is it flown over? Is it, or do we speak, you know, do we speak death over it? Or is it a place of, of life where things flourish and come alive? You guys actually carry the authority to speak that over your region. We have a friend named Jimmy Van Gelder, who's a pastor um, in what we what we call the Minnesota River Valley. It's there's a couple rivers that come into the Minneapolis area, the Mississippi and the Minnesota, and kind of between those is what the Minnesota River Valley is. And his church is there. And I've heard him give the message that he says, you know, what you take responsibility for, you have authority in. What you take responsibility for, you have authority in. So, parents, take responsibility for your children. Guess what? You actually have authority in raising your children. It makes perfect sense, right? And so he would, you know, he in that region um, actually would, would lean deep into the history of his region. And, and there was a lot of Native, Native American relations that took place there that, that were really atrocities. I don't have time to go into all the details. Um, except for the fact that I, you know, I'd hear him talk about it a little bit, and I, and I would kind of roll my eyes. I'm not going to lie, just being honest. Kind of like, you know, really? I mean, do we need to unearth all of this stuff? I mean, is that, like, important? And, and the more that I, I heard his heart and the more I saw the fruit of his heart, the more I saw that what you take responsibility for, you have authority in. And, and what he was doing is he was taking authority for his region. And there were things in the past of that region that needed to be repented for, and he did. Why, why would he feel like he needed to do that? Because he felt responsibility for it. When you have responsibility, you have authority in. And so I, it, it's been a beautiful thing to see. And so why would he do that? Because he carries the kind of authority that enables the rule things to develop and open up as they should. As they should. You know, the term as they should feels an awful lot like Eden. Because Eden operated it as it should. It's like it's like I can't I can't escape the first two chapters of Eden because I still feel like that's the place where things operated as they should. And so when you take a Minnesota River Valley where there's been atrocities and broken treaties and a lot of pain and bloodshed and things that have happened there, um, he's taking authority, he's, he's, he's injecting himself into the history of the region so that he has authority in it, that he can repent for it, so that it can actually open up as it should. I think that sounds really good. Like, like worth the time, if that makes sense. So when you have something called home... For many of you, this is home, right? This isn't our home. This is your home, right? You have, if you take responsibility for it, you have authority in it. And I just want you to have the mindset that 
you know, so often there have been so many examples in the Bible where the Lord says, you know, go up and take take the Philistines, go up and take the Amalekites or whatever. I've given them into your hands. I love that term. I've given the land into your hands. But guess what? They still actually had to go take it. <laughs> there are a few examples where they just kind of went, Ugh. <laughs> they kind of sort of fell over, right? There's a couple examples in the Bible like that. But more than often than not, they had to militar- militarily go in and actually take the land. And I believe that's before you, before this house, before this apostolic place, that as you inject yourself into the history of this region, into what you carry here, that the Lord has already given it into your hands. I mean, that's just a word of the Lord for you guys. Like, he's already given it into your hands. Now go take it. (laughs) That's where you're at. That's that's the apostolic place that you guys are, are living in. So pastors become regionally minded the citizens become heavenly minded. Like you're ambassadors of heaven. So go take the land. Go show them what it looks like. Go show them what heaven is like. So you have your neighbors, you have people in this area that the Lord has actually brought you to. What are you going to name them? What's going to come out of your mouth? What is the rada? That's, that's loaded and ready to hit them between the eyes with and tell them what their authority is, where they live, and the importance of it. So it comes, to, it comes about to tending and keeping that Amy's going to talk tomorrow. It comes about authority and dominion. It comes, it comes back to this cultural mandate that we have been given. So Amy mentioned that we surprised Elijah with this baseball game. We, uh, the, the base people are old enough. Um, the, the White Sox used to play at, at a park called Comiskey Park, famous Comiskey Park. They tore that down. They put in new Comiskey Park. Well, then something started happening, probably about 15, 20 years ago, called naming rights. <laughs> and it's almost kind of comical, honestly, some of the, the names that these fields are called now because it's all corporate. And so these 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 corporations actually pay for the naming rights to the stadium. So they write a check, and they say, we get to name it. So this, this White Sox field is called Guaranteed Rate Field, which is the first thing my wife says, that's like the dumbest name I've ever heard. <laughs> but maybe we should bless it and not, not call it dumb. Maybe you didn't say that. I'm sure you didn't use the word dumb. Um, guaranteed Rate Field. So I'm sure it's a mortgage company someplace that wrote a check and said, we're going to name the stadium after us. And so it's called naming rights. And I believe that um, naming rights come with a price, right? And so I believe that, that the, there was a purchase for naming rights that we have actually been given. Jesus actually came, ar- came around and paid a price, a really big price, the price of his blood to actually bring restoration so that we once again have the authority to name it to name creation, to name the people. We've been given naming rights. Costs a lot. Of, costs a lot. <laughs> For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. So tonight, just for closing up, I, we're going to do a little activity. <laughs> we'll call it an activity. So do you guys want to come help pass things up? So I have borrowed some of these sticky labels. These are something that you would 
clap on your chest. Normally you would say, normally you would say, hello, my name is. <laughs> hello, my name is. And this is what, I, what I'm going to want you guys to do. We're going to pass these out. And we're just going to go before the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to write down some names, okay? Now, these are, these are names from the Spirit, okay? Some examples I gave, like courage or valor. Some names that would come from heaven. And that's all I'm going to have you do first. And this isn't going to be for anybody specific. I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit for some names. That's it. And it might be one name. It might be six names. But let's just take about two minutes, two full minutes. Let's go before the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to have you, we got some markers here. And, th- and these aren't for anybody specific yet. But I'm just going to have you just write down some names. Something that you would name somebody. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to have everybody stand up. Grab your stickers, and then we're just going to kind of form a circle so we can all see each other. Okay? So this is how this is going to work. So you're going to take your first sticker off your little sheet like this. Take your first sticker off your sheet like this. So kind of make a circle so everybody can see. Yeah, we can spread out. There you go. So now we're going to take one minute, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit who this name is for, okay? So now the only rule is you can't go up and start slapping things on other people's chest, okay? <laughs> so so that's how this works. You take the sticker and you hand it to them, they take it, and they put it on their shirt, okay? And so some people are going to have more than one, okay? It doesn't matter, we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit who it's for, okay? So grab your first one off your little sheet, take it off so it's all ready to go. All right? And we're going to go 30 seconds. Holy Spirit, who is this for? Ready, go. You're getting named. You're getting named. Okay, now that you have the idea, I'm just going to cut you loose. Okay? So you can do them in any order, as fast as you want. Just ask if once the Holy Spirit tells you. But I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to do this out of your head. I want the Spirit to tell you who it's for. But once you know, you can go ahead and give it to him. You can do your whole list. Ready, go. If you're concerned that you're giving one to your own child, that's okay. That's what the Lord tells you to do. Go ahead and do it. All right, once you've exhausted your list, you can go find your seat. Once you've passed them all up, but take your time. Names that are, are meaningful. Is there anybody that wants to just come up really quick and tell why one of the names, just one for sake of time, um, really impacted you? Hop up here. If there's one that was like, yep, I kind of needed that. That's you. Just come up and just tell us why, really quick. Don't be shy. <laughs> I think I'm radiating heat because none of these are sticking. <laughs> okay, testimony. Somebody, really quick. Doesn't have to be quick. Just say, "Hey, I got named this, and it was really important to me." Because stand up, I can come to you. No, sisters can't fight for sisters. It's against the rules. It's against the rules. Oh, see what I did there? Cousins are fine. Yeah, there you go. What is your name? My name is Linda Wallace. What is your name? Compassion. Compassion. I love people. I care about everybody, even those that hurt me. Yeah. So, 
means a lot. I cry easily, and I love everybody. Yeah. That sounds like destiny to me. Anybody else, real quick? Come on. Come on. Elijah? What? was named courageous, thoughtful, helpful, brave, and noble. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone else? Share? Names? Thank you. (laughs) I got um, actually three strongs, which to me, um, yeah. And um, I'd have to say that um, recently I'm not feeling very strong, but I have a feeling that God's trying to tell me something. And, and you know what? That, that's actually really important because because it's how heaven sees you, right? Because in our circumstances, this might be exactly the opposite of what we're feeling. There have been times that I have not felt like a son of boldness. It's true. Um, but it warms my heart that I've just been named that because that's my identity. It's the way he actually sees me. I got mercy leader and best person ever. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm, if I'm being honest with you, mercy, I'm not really surprised. But I'm very, yes, I lose my temper quick. I'm very. I'm surprised I got leader. Yeah. Because I tend to follow, but then I'm like, "This is stupid. I'm doing this. I'm going to lead myself into this direction, and no one can tell me otherwise." Of course, it. I kind of needed it. I never saw myself as motivated to be a leader, but girl Elijah gave me this actually. Um, So here's your microphone. It's interesting to see what the Lord will do with that. You know, it's one of those things. It's, you know, it's, it's, heaven, we we always think in earthly thoughts. You know, so we have an idea of what leader means, and he may have a completely different idea of what leader means. So I just release that over you that it's all going to unfold. Yes, ma'am. I got priceless, which. Yes, I, um, I like to be fun. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's written all over your face. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Um, I got joyful, loved, and courageous. Courageous. What? Oh, I can't read that. Don't listen to me. I don't always feel loved. Nope. She can tell you. That I'm the middle child, like definitely. Also, I am not that joyful. Not that joyful. I am not, am I? Yes. I am? Oh. God's telling you that you really are loved. Aww. Oh, that love. And barrel. And it's what the Hobbit is called 
a barrel rider is what the dragon calls him. And um, there's there's just like this grace that you have, Jen, to hop from thing to thing and thing and do it really well. Because you wear a lot of hats and you do a lot of things, but you do them really well. And there's that grace and there's that authority, actually, that you carry, that you're able to jump from thing to thing and thing and be like, oh, that was a lot, but I did it and I did it well. So. So bottom line is, is that heaven's a pretty remarkable place. And you guys are actually an ambassador of that place. And you actually bear his mark. Um, and these are just little reminders of how we can radah people. It's a very simple, it's a very simple thing to do, but it actually creates life. And it actually uh, creates an environment for you to grow and prosper. That's what, it, that's what it's for. And the words that you speak create an incredible amount of power. So what would it look like for this house to to operate in, in a, a radar dominion over this region, over this house, over each other, yeah. over each other. And it's more than just patting somebody on the back. It's actually it's actually speaking with authority. There's an authority that's connected to it. And so I just believe that's for, for you guys and for this house. I'm so excited to see what's going to happen here. And when I say here, I mean here. <laughs> like here. So I just want to just release a blessing. And thank you for doing that activity. But I think it's, I love doing things that help us remember things, you know. And so honestly, I don't think it's a bad idea to just go home tonight and, and stand in the mirror and just look at those words that were spoken over you tonight. Because that's whatever, whatever. The Lord was waiting to see what we would call each other. How beautiful is that? And that whatever we call each other, that's what your name is. It's, it's straight out of Eden. It's straight out of the way it should have been. Right? It's the, the should be. The should be of history. So let's just close our eyes. Lord, we just love you. We honor you in this place. Lord, I honor this place. I honor this region, Lord God, and what you're doing here. Lord, um, what was even shifted tonight, Lord, is the understanding of who we are in you as ambassadors of heaven here on this earth. And so, Lord, I just commission and, and send out these culture bearers, Lord God, that bear the actual culture of heaven. And, Lord, I just speak an anointing and a blessing, Lord, over the words of their mouth. If you guys would just put your hand on your lips. Lord, I, we just release a blessing, Lord, over the anointing of these lips, Lord God, that the words that they speak will transform a region, Lord. I, I thank you for that, Lord. I just thank you for the leaders of this house, Lord. I just release an anointing over their lips, Lord, as they preach the word and the gospel, Lord, that it would go forth not only just with impact and, and, and that it would that it would pierce the hearts of people, but that it would go with power and with authority to actually transform a region, Lord God. It's pastoral at its heart. And so, Lord, I just release that apostolic pastoral anointing on this place, Lord. Lord, I pray for eyes to see beyond these walls and eyes to see the, the hurts and the needs of this, of this place, Lord God. And the transformational power, the real, authentic, transformational power of the Almighty God and His holiness, that it would burst forth from this place. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We love you all so much. Amen. Yeah, I just want to add a word of encouragement. So as, as I was praying about this weekend, 
earlier this week. Um, God spoke something very simple to me, but but I think very powerful. He simply said this. He said, the table is set. All right? And, and I've been thinking about these words all week long. The table is set. You know, when God does something, there was very purposeful in what he was saying. It was almost like, all right, I've directed things exactly the way I've pushed, I've nudged. I, he has you here. It's not, there's no accident about you being here tonight. Therefore, there's no accident about what you heard. Therefore, there's no accident about the things which stick on you. Even the things that you go, oh, well, that's a nice word. Someone was just being nice. No. The table is set. There's something purposeful in what got put on. And I, I really want to encourage you to, to hold on to these. Put them in your notebook. Pray into them. Lean into it. As Johnny likes to say, lean into it. What's Papa going to say? What does he want to bring out? What's he trying to pull out of you? What's he touching? Because when Papa says to the table, come on, he's got purpose. There's destiny all over. There's destiny all over each one of you. I don't care how old or how young you are. It's purpose. Every one of you. And that goes for every one of you at home as well. You may not have received these things, right? But Papa's speaking words over you. And I just encourage you, lean into it, listen to it. Listen for it, listen for more. You walk out of here and you go, well, I didn't get I didn't get many, or I, maybe I didn't get any. Or maybe they fell off. That must have meant something that fell off. No. It meant the adhesive wasn't very good. Okay? Maybe it simply means if you've got fewer that Papa wants to speak directly to your heart. Because there are things that he just really wants to go, hey, this is what I want you to do. Because this wasn't about popularity. This was what does he want to speak in the here and the now? What's he want to speak to you later? Whether you do that in the evening, whether you do that first thing in the morning, there's just something sweet about spending time with it. So I encourage you to do that with these things and, and whatever revelation God gave as a result. One of my best ones is actually this one. <laughs> Pastor Tim started to put it on me. I think he was joking at first. But again, the table is set. And I said, no, I'll take that. Because we both had the same thought. We're like, it's like a, a blank check. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, I'm taking that. Yeah. I'm taking that. Amen. All right. So just be blessed. We meet back here tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Um, I encourage you, if you want to come a little early, uh, both this evening or come early tomorrow, Sunday morning, or after the after services. But there are, are goodies that will just will continue to feed you on the back table. So please take advantage of that. Um, but tomorrow evening, we will have a feast as well. Yes, sir. I just want to just, just promote tomorrow morning. My wife is going to be speaking about tending and keeping, which is another, which is the other side of, of having dominion. And my wife has 
what I call, I always call a practical anointing. <laughs> like she can take things that are like, and then like bring it into your every day. And so I just encourage you to come and, and bring people to come because it's good. It's going to really help your walk. I, I, I've heard a little bit of her message and I'm still like thinking about it because it's, it's so powerful. Um, so I just want to encourage you to come tomorrow morning. Yeah. You will be very blessed and invite others too. It's not too late. Um, but uh, tomorrow evening, we will be here at 6 o'clock. We're, we're just having a time of fellowship. And the Clausens and the Riches will be here. And uh, we're just going to hang out. We're going to see if the ministry happens, uh, whether through fun or through the spoken word or, or, or maybe interpretive dance. Who knows? Yes. Um, but uh, I just encourage you to, to make time for that as well. So be blessed. Have a wonderful evening. Go get some ice cream. Hey. Hey. But not here. Oh.